Northland Outdoors Radio. All right, this is the fastest growing outdoors show on the radio. Thanks for turning us on in your car, at home, or listening online. I'm Brett Amundsen. And do you remember waking up in the Minnesota fishing opener? That was May 14th for those of you listening outside of Minnesota. But that Saturday morning, we had snow on the ground. Burr. And it was windy. It was cold weather for being in that Ranger 620 that we fished out of with Eric Holm, but really cold if you were in a kayak. And that was what Michael Stone from Utah was using as he was fulfilling a bucket list trip to travel the length of the Mississippi. But on the day before the opener, he found himself stuck and in need of a rescue. Conservation Officer Brian Holt was one of those rescuers that day, and he joins us now on the radio show to talk about it. Uh, Brian, how's it going? Very well, thank you. Well, thanks for being on the show. And when I first heard that that this uh, kayaker needed to be rescued, I pictured a, a big old DNR boat with blankets and tow ropes and hot chocolate, maybe some schnapps. I don't know. Well, maybe, <laughs> maybe that wouldn't be on a DNR boat. But I didn't expect the rescue to take place in a canoe. And that's exactly what happened, didn't it? Yes, that's correct. Unfortunately, where he was located, we weren't able to get any a bigger type of boat in there. The water was four inches deep in spots. We were bottoming out in places. And it was cold. It was windy. You had to get to Michael, his kayak, and his 600-pound supply kayak and get all that stuff off the river. Did you guys get him and then come back for the rest, or did you try to get it all in one shot? We did attempt to get both kayaks in one shot. Unfortunately, they were both stuck pretty well into the mud, and we were only able to get his kayak out and uh, bring him back. We did, however, go back out the next day and retrieve the second kayak. Okay, and let's let's just back up a second now. This kayaker is having a tough time on the river, partly due to that low water level. You said it was four inches deep. Man, uh, it's it's been a little dry. Of course, we got a little rain this week. That'll help it out a little bit, but did I hear that it took them two weeks to travel as far as what some kayakers do in two days? That's correct. Typically, people will get a little further down the river than he had made it, uh, but it sounded like he had a series of hang-ups along the way, capsizing once or twice and having to stop and dry out all of his gear. Was it uh, was that because of low water levels? Was it because of the storm last year? Did that knock some trees down, maybe? Or what, what was causing the, the slowdown? I believe he said it was a combination of the two, the low water, and he did run into a few areas where he did have to clear Uh, some trees and other obstructions along the way. Talking with Conservation Officer Brian Holt, uh, you're out of the Bemidji area, right? That's correct. Uh, Here on Northland Outdoors Radio, Michael Stone was a Utah kayaker that needed to be rescued off the Mississippi River a couple of weeks ago. So he's stuck in the mud. You can't get out of the kayak because it's uh, it's too mucky. You'll get stuck out there. His supply kayak is stuck. It's cold. It's uh, snowing or raining or whatever it was. He's in trouble. He sends a desperate text message to his wife back in Utah, uh, who then called. Who, who did she call at that point? She actually called my home office and got the state patrol dispatcher phone number off of my voicemail, at which time she called them. And they then called me as they were preparing to launch an aircraft out of the metro area, I believe, to go look for this gentleman on the river. So you get the phone call. Were you, you know, were you at home, you know, watching TV, relaxing? What did you? What, what was going on? Well, I was actually out and about. Um, it was the day before the fishing opener, so people will typically start fishing at midnight. So I was out checking the activity, but this was well prior to that, of course. So I was already out and about when they called, and. Uh, 
I headed right there as soon as I got the call. So you get a phone call, and, uh, you, I mean, do you have any idea what you were in store for? The locations that they gave me I was familiar with. People will often duck hunt back in that area. And uh, in checking duck hunters, I had gotten to know the local landowners. And so I, I ended up calling one of the local landowners for permission to use his private access to that area, which he said was fine, and he actually went down to his dock and was able to spot the gentleman out on the lower part of Manaman Lake uh, and let me know that, and it did match the description of uh, Mr. Stone. You pull up to the river. What were the conditions like? Well, it was quite windy. Uh, the water was low, and it was starting to get dark, so we were certainly moving with a sense of urgency to get out there. It sounded like he was in a position where he was definitely in need of assistance. And uh, so we did, did you have some, some pretty big waves? Was the water a little choppy? The waves weren't so bad as it was coming back with them. We were having to paddle against the current and against the wind, uh, which made it a little bit more tricky, but uh, we were eventually able to get them back to the, door, to the shore. Oh, on your way out there, you get out there to rescue this guy. You pull up to him. What's the first thing he says when you arrive? We just asked him who he was, and he said, yep, I'm Mike. And uh, then he asked uh, if we could get him some medical attention because he was not feeling very well. He had lost his hat and his gloves and one of his shoes as well, I believe, and uh, was wet. So we immediately called for an ambulance to meet us on the shore there. Talking with Conservation Officer Brian Holt here on Northland Outdoors Radio about rescuing the stranded kayaker on the Mississippi River a couple of weeks ago. Could you tell he was in trouble right away? I could. He, he definitely was cold. He was using an umbrella to shield himself from the wind. And like I said, he was wet. And he told us outright that he wanted to uh, get some medical help. So getting back, you're battling the wind, you're battling the current. How long did it take you to get back to shore and you know was it clear that you needed to get him back there as fast as possible it was clear he reminded us several times on the way back <laughs> that uh, he needed some help uh, I would say from the time we launched to the time we got back it was probably about an hour to go a mile and back an hour wow it, it did take some time we had to follow the narrow part of the where the river was flowing kind of along the shoreline. And there was a lot of trees and, and stumps and other obstructions that we had to try to get around in limited daylight. You know, I, I was impressed after I heard a couple of days later, he jumped right back on that horse and got back on the river to continue his journey. That's true. He was assisted by uh, an individual who was part of a canoeing club in the local area, and he kind of helped him get back on his feet and back on his way. I believe he put in somewhere downstream from the power dam. Uh, Conservation Officer Brian Holt, our guest here, Northland Outdoors Radio, talking about the kayak rescue on the Mississippi River a couple of weeks ago. Had you been involved with anything like that before? I have not. Not not on that river. Uh, This is the first call of that nature that I've had out there. Well, if somebody told you that they were going to kayak the Mississippi, what's the first piece of advice you'd give them? I would say check with local guides, get to know the area and know what kind of things you may run into, where you're going to be staying, and uh, the appropriate gear that you should bring with. And local guides in the area probably would have the best knowledge on that type of information. Boy, you know, you, you think you're going on this bucket list trip, 
that you've wanted to do your entire life and uh, to get there and have conditions like a four inches of water to try to go through with all that gear. That had to have been kind of a rude awakening for him, but glad it all worked out in the end, and I commend you. And uh, you, you weren't the only one on that rescue mission, right? That's right. Uh, Officer Paul Parson out of Lake George assisted me. Well, it's great. I commend both you guys for, uh, for getting it done and getting, them back to, uh, getting back to safety. Brian Holt, Minnesota Conservation Officer out of Bemidji, thanks for being on Northland Outdoors Radio. Yes, sir. Thank you. Deer numbers across the Northland dipped in recent years, causing hunters and game managers alike to call for revisions to the regulations. This year, the legislature even got involved, calling for an audit of the Minnesota DNR's management policies. To review what came out of that audit, I've asked Craig Engwall, the executive director of the Minnesota Deer Hunters Association, to to walk us through it. Craig, thanks for coming back on the show. Oh, pleasure to be with you, Brett. Uh, Before we dig into it, are you happy with uh, with how the audit came out? You know, I'd say it, it it carried a lot of the information of the things that we've been calling for for the last couple of years. So I, I'm pleased with it. I don't think there were any shocking revelations in there. Um, so it was all in all a good thing. Why did the audit take place? And uh, did did you feel it was it was time for an audit to take place? Well, I think it took place because there was a growing frustration among deer hunters about, of course, the herd. I mean, that, that triggers everybody's reaction, and there are many factors to that. I mean, of course, we understand that winter plays a significant role, but there are things beyond winter uh, that deer hunters were interested in and concerned about in how the DNR was managing deer. So in, uh, in the fact that the state is, does not have a deer management plan was one of the biggest things that... Uh, just led to an interest in hunters expressing themselves. They did that in many ways, talking to legislators, talking to DNR. And so with all that brewing, uh, the legislators asked the auditor to take a look at how DNR was managing, and we supported that. This is Northland Outdoors Radio, talking to Craig Engwall, the executive director of the Minnesota Deer Hunters Association. More with Craig coming up here in just a second. We're going to find out what the Minnesota Deer Hunters Association would like to see the DNR do more of as a result of this legislative audit. He's next on Northland Outdoors Radio. LandRadar.com is a website to remember. Find the most extensive information about potlatch land at LandRadar.com. And right now, LandRadar.com has a northern Minnesota game farm for sale. Over 1,000 acres of fields and forest land, a lodge, five cabins, kennels, and an expansive home on the lake. Ideal habitat for deer, bear, and upland birds. Or just enjoy hiking, horseback riding, or on ATVs. To learn more, call 866-403-LAND. Visit LandRadar.com. Part of Close Converse Properties. Hey, anglers, looking for a destination where walleyes, fresh air, and fish fries are a way of life? Look no further than the famous waters of Lake of the Woods. From Badette and the Rainy River to the main lake up to the Northwest Angle. Here, you'll enjoy the best walleye catch rate in the state. Maybe you'll pursue world-class sturgeon, pike, or muskies. Plus, you'll find lots of full-service resorts offering charter boats, delicious meals, and lots of Minnesota nice. Come experience the walleye capital of the world. Come experience Lake of the Woods. Catch the details at Lake of the Woods MN.com. How would you like this to be the sound of your alarm clock? The Lakeshore Kings have your chance to spend weekends and weekdays in Lake Country with the unique opportunity to own and operate your own resort. Birchhaven Resort on Birch Lake near Hackensack offers sunset views from its sandy beach and comfortable cabins. And it's on the market at an extremely reasonable price. Contact Steve Leary or Preston Peters of Exit Lakes Realty at 218-821-5655. That's 218-821-5655 and begin your life at the lake today.
You're listening to Northland Outdoors Radio.